blue wire. Breeze hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. Jones with a high drive to left field. Gardner back, and that one is gone! Montemarillo! A swing and a drive! The deep right! Away back! Off the pole! The Washington Nationals are world champions for the first time in franchise history. It is a walk-off. Holden Kushner, Ryan Spader, joined now by a guy that I uh, knew a long time ago. Haven't talked to him in a while, and now we got him on the show. Jim Duquette, former GM of the Mets. He's with MLB Network Radio. He's with The Athletic. He does everything. First of all, Jimmy D, great to catch up with you, buddy. Second of all, do you think we'll have baseball this year? Uh, good to catch up with both of you. Uh, Holden and I used to do a, a couple of shows together along the way, full disclosure. Enjoyed them immensely, missed them. Uh, and yes, I do think we're going to play some baseball this year. I think that um, the sport is committed to it. I think that the leadership, uh, you know, with baseball in particular, the conversations that they've had with the medical uh, uh, personnel, uh, with the CDC and NIH, is also supportive of it. So I, I think there are a lot of um, reasons, uh, whether you agree with it or not, there are a lot of reasons pointing towards uh, having some semblance of of uh of baseball this year it's not going to be what we're used to though jim when you say it's not going to be what we're used to at what point do you think we get to somewhere where it's completely different from a standard baseball season i mean i'm talking uh something that'll result in almost like a tournament style to get to the postseason and then a world series well i i you know what i mean there's a possibility that could happen um you know this year too i think i think anytime you take the fans out of it you know um, they're um you know not having them as part of a, a game that changes the dynamic entirely i mean i I happened to see, you know, the one time in our sport that we had no fans was here in Baltimore. They played the White Sox uh, when they had the, the civil unrest in the in the downtown area, and so they played with no fans. It was odd. It's it is a hard thing for players to kind of figure out. Now they will get used to it if that's the way the early part of the season goes, or if the whole, most of the season goes that way. But um, you know, I think I think what what is on the table from what I, you know what I'm hearing and things that we've read. Um, you know, it may be, you know, 144 game schedule or 140. It's hard to know the exact amount, but expanded, uh, postseason, you know, could be anywhere, could be up to 16 teams, eight in each league, um, going in that way. Um, I think you might see the season be round robin, right? You might have, uh, you know, five or six cities. Let's say there's, uh, six cities and, you know, five teams in each city and they do round robin that way and they play. But there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, ideas being thrown out there uh, none that have been completely concrete but that's what tells me you know that they're that they're trying to make this thing work is that there's the number of ideas that have been thrown out there yeah uh-huh. and, and jim real quick because jim i don't even remember if we were doing a show on mass in that day they carry the the orioles and nationals games but i remember being up at nash at, at mass in that day that they had no fans yeah. with the orioles and the white Sox. I got to yeah. tell you, man, I would take that any day over what we got right now. It was bizarre, but I kind of yeah. feel like after the first few games you watched, things it would just seem like it was normal, wouldn't it? Well, I think I think you're right. Say, I think that's the thing. Like if you look at the alternatives, uh, on the alter, if the alternative is no games, um, and now you say, well, geez, we we can play games, um, you know, quarantine players, um, in, in a, a whole, 
somewhat safe environment. We don't know how safe, but but it's just you can't do it with fans. I think anybody who's a baseball fan, any player, any front office guy, they would all sign up for that version of it. Um, it was interesting because uh, Randy Levine, of course, the president of the Yankees, was on Fox Business, I think it was today, um, and talked about, you know, and threw out some ideas. And it was kind of interesting hearing his his thought process was like, you know, that we might start out this way and then the hope or the desire might be to have teams return back to their own cities to play later in the year. I find that hard to believe. I find it a bit of a stretch personally uh, with all the potential hotspots that could be out there. I, I just don't know if that's a, a reasonable one, but I think they are talking about that and trying to make, make see if there are plans that could uh, that happen and, and whether you could actually allow a certain amount of fans, let's say, half of a of the capacity of a stadium and have them the proper distance. Um, again, I think the feeling is holding, like you said, what anything that you get is better than nothing. How important do you think it is that Major League Baseball, uh, because they, they have an opportunity here really to capitalize on uh, an untapped fan base, and we've seen the fans sure. drop in year after year, but how important do you think it is for them to start this season as early as possible and get baseball on the eyes of people who might not otherwise watch baseball because they have nothing else to do stuck in their homes. Right, right. I, you know, I think, Brian, it brings – there's a lot of things that, you know, for me is important. You know, it's not, I think it's important for the sport, for sure, you know, and, and to bring back, you know, some uh, – the casual fans and maybe, you know, people that, that – that don't watch the sport much at all to try to, uh, you know, bring uh, some life back to the sport. Just start there. But, but I think there's always been the feeling, at least in some circles, that baseball, you know, is kind of the, you know, it, it has a rhythm to it. Any season has a rhythm to it. It's almost a almost daily occurrence, whether you watch every every night or not. There's something. There's a game that goes on every single day. That's what we're used to. And, you know, there's that routine, that rhythm that we're all kind of saying, like, what, what day is today? You're not even sure in some cases what day of the week it is, but you'll know that there's a baseball game. That, that's been, I think, the general feeling. So I, th- I think to get the, the country back into, into the swing of things, I think, um, as well, I think that's why you're getting the government push. It's why you're getting support from the medical circles. So, Jim, the ruling comes down on the Red Sox, and really – Nothing happened uh, outside of Alex Cora, who goes back to when he was in Houston. He's done for 2020, so big deal. And I think the video guy got in a little trouble, too. Um, thoughts on the Red Sox? It's a punishment. Is it enough? Is it too much? What's your thoughts overall on the Red Sox? Boy, it didn't really seem like they had an awful lot of evidence, you know, and it seemed like there was one guy that was getting the information. So, so basically – you know, there's a big difference between what the Red Sox were doing and what the Astros are doing, right? I mean, they were not, Red Sox were not getting, they were not getting real-time information and signaling it to the hitter. They were, in essence, you know, you'd have a scouting report before the game and, and you would tell all of your hitters, all right, if you're on second base, here are, here's the sequence of signs that they used last night. And then, and then as the game's going on, this is what seemingly happened. The video guy got the information, realized they changed it up. Figured out what it was, relayed it to the to the bench. So when a player was on second base, he could signal it to some hitters. We don't even know how many hitters, but just it's so different than what the Astros did. I mean, it was team wide, it was organization wide, um, it was unchecked. Red Sox seemed to seemed to it, it just seemed like there was only one guy that was getting this information, 
I, I, I didn't think the punishment was all that much, uh, but I hear all the details. And I'm like, okay, well, then, then, then uh, maybe it wasn't as bad as we all had thought. I think Alex Cora is the clear winner in this. Like, he can t- now <laughs> tell his side of the story. And he, only, he only gets suspended through 2020. I wouldn't be surprised, guys, if he comes back and is the Red Sox manager next year. I think that... What? He, he, yes, I'm telling you. He, if there's not... if Again, we don't know all the details yet, but think about this. If nothing happened, if he didn't take... Because we, we assumed that what he did with Houston, he brought to Boston. Okay, If that, in fact, is not the case, which it looks like... Uh, he left on, on tremendous terms with the Red Sox ownership. They made the decision based on what he did with Houston, but I mean, he, he could be free and clear to come back and be the Boston uh, manager. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. And um, yeah, I, I think I think there is a path for that. I don't know. We'll see, we'll wait and see what happens. Now, do you think that this is it for all of this? Because I've heard from a couple different players and some. Gentlemen who um, maybe not quite in your position, but some some people who you may have worked with um, that there were other teams involved in all of this. And I did hear about this building of the book that you mentioned where they're using uh, signs from the first um, game and series and then building it throughout the season. And then some ridiculous things such as um, a towel being used by a guy with binoculars in center field for just an individual player and dropping that towel, whether or not the uh, pitch was off speed or not. And uh, apparently that guy got caught and was confronted. uh, I'm not going to say the player's name because it's not out in the public yet, but uh, I I just don't see this as being finished. Do you think this is it? Well, I I don't think it was uh, isolated. Uh, I would agree with you there. Um, I, I will be curious to see how far the league goes. Uh, if they have any credible evidence, I think it, it's um, up to them to investigate it. I think that they probably have investigated some, but I'm not sure they've been made aware of all of the possible instant instances. Uh, the, you know, the Astros, if you go back to the accusations, I think they, they pointed the finger at eight teams. Um, you know, now... The MLB certainly, you know, could have the resources to go try to investigate that if they can get more information. The problem that they've had, I mean, at least from the Boston side, they, I guess, cooperated, but they didn't have, you know, they weren't willing, most of the guys were not willing to say much. Uh, where in Houston, you know, they, they were willing to, you know, fess up to certain things. So I think you, you may have some issues with the cooperation with the players, even though they have, they were granted immunity. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think that these are the only two teams that were trying, you know, signaling signs and getting them. Um, but you know, it's only as good as the, you know, willingness of people to to kind of rat out and uh, and uh, you know let um, let Major League Baseball know some of the other details that were going on. And that's not not everybody is made that way, like Mike, what what Mike Fires did. Yeah, I, I I'm not one of the guys who sings Mike Fires praises. Uh, I'm not gonna completely be ticked at the guy either because I would be pissed if my numbers were completely uh, thrown at because of just the games I pitched in Minute Made. But at the same time, I think that um, Major League Baseball is kind of using the Astros and even the Red Sox a little bit, I guess, but mostly the Astros as the scapegoat in this, uh, analogous to how Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire were the scapegoats of the steroid era. And now in hindsight, a lot of people hold Bud Selig just as accountable for the steroid era as anybody else. Do you think in 20 years from now, 
uh, we're going to know of other teams involved in all of this. And Robert Manfred's going to be looked as as somebody who is just as accountable for the quote unquote sign stealing error. Listen, I think if anytime you're in the leadership situation uh, position, you're going to be um, you know you're, you should be held accountable uh, if it's if it happened on your watch. And I think you know this did. And um, you know I. I didn't care for the way things started out with Major League Baseball. They, they seemed to try to downplay what was going on until this article came out. If you look at, I'm not defending uh, fires, but I did, I, I have given him credit in the sense that um, he, he, when he left the Astros, he told his his team, his teammates with the Tigers, what was going on. Hey, give you a heads up when you go to Houston. Here's what's going to happen. Until so they did the right thing. They changed up the signs and everything else. Then when he went to Oakland, he told his Oakland teammates the same thing, the extent of it. Now, um, the, the A's took this stand, went in, in, and wrote up a report and, and went to MLB, and MLB didn't do anything with it. So there's like a year and a half or almost two years of things that Mike Byers, I thought, did the proper thing. He told his teammates. He told his organization. Nothing happened with the league. So then he ended up telling the media, which again, that, that part of it, I think there's a lot of, you know, dispute if that was the right thing. But I thought up until that point, he did the right things, trying to get it cleaned up in a private way. Just nobody responded. All right, Jim, let's get off that for a second, or hopefully for good for the rest of the show. And coming into the season, who were, let's give me the four best teams in Major League Baseball. And I want you. I want to know if one or two or three or all four of those teams that you're that you were thinking of, if they're helped or hurt by the shortened season. Who are the okay. four teams first? Well, listen. I think we know the Dodgers, uh, the Yankees. Those were two for sure. Uh, Oakland, I threw in there as the third team. I, after being in their camp, Oakland, his team is really, really good. Uh, and so I threw them into into the mix. Um, and then the toss up for me was. Uh, whether it was Minnesota, uh, Tampa, you know, one, one of those groups, uh, uh, those two in particular. Um, I wasn't going to go with Washington. You could out maybe say Atlanta, but I'm, I, I wasn't willing to go there. So, so let's just take uh, Yankees uh, get a huge benefit from the layoff. All those guys that were injured leading up to it, a lot of them are going to come back, including Paxton, Stan, Judge. That's a huge help. Dodgers, there doesn't seem to be any real advantage or disadvantage. They're still going to be really, they're really strong. They just want to play a season so that to trade for Mookie Betts doesn't look like it was a disaster, um, where he, you know, put, he doesn't even play at one game for the Dodgers. So, so I think those two teams, uh, the A's, I, I think, um, they, you know, they had a couple guys that were nicked up injury wise, nothing, nothing major. Um, and then, uh, you know, Tampa didn't seem to be injured all that much. So I, I don't think that any of those other ones, I think the one team that's a little bit of a sleeper team for me uh, are the Cardinals because they did have some pitching depth issues because of injuries. Um, and Jordan Hicks, their closer, and Alex Reyes, one of the pitchers, Miles um, Michaelis was out. And now because they get this time off, they get healthy. So I think they're a team to keep an eye on uh, if uh, that would have a benefit for this layoff. Okay, so uh, you brought something else up that was Brian and I had a big debate about this. If they didn't play the season, all of a sudden the Dodgers end up giving up a ton of prospects. They don't get anything out of Mookie Betts. They do get something for David Price. There'd be no compensation there, would there? There's no reason even to throw tack on like a compensatory pick at the end of the first round. Is there any reason to do that for teams that made deals and then got screwed by the work stoppage because of the pandemic? 
Uh, I don't think that there'll be anything that will be built in for the rules on that. I think they'll have the opportunity to extend them a qualifying offer and get it drafted, but I don't think there'll be anything else sent there. Uh, whether that's fair or not, it, I mean, it's, it's not, but it's like not, not, not much you can really do on that, I don't think. Um, I do think, though, the Dodgers traded for him for a reason, which was to you know, give them the inside track to try to keep him and sign him up to a long-term deal. I mean, they... Their, their plan originally when they traded for, for Manny Machado was to sign him long term. And once they got him over for like two, three months, they realized, eh, not sure we want to park 300 million in this guy. So they, they passed and they moved on. I think Mookie Betts is the kind of guy that, you know, they're going to want to pay a lot of money for. So I wouldn't rule them out in, in getting him signed, but, uh, I don't think that they would get extra compensation because of it. Yeah, Jim, I'm with you. I don't think that they even really should. It's 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 crappy luck, but it's it's the way that everything seemed to play out. Uh, now I know you were in the um, GM chair and less so the manager chair, but do you think managers might approach baseball differently if they say let's have let's say a hundred game season or something yeah. where starting pitchers are going more. Um, traditional distances, maybe pitching a little longer, going on longer leashes or anything like that? So I think that's going to be the fascinating part, Ryan, because, you know, depending on the length of the season, it's going to be a, it could be a, a, a mad sprint to the finish line. Um, how much time are they going to really give uh, in spring training, let's say, to get ready for the season? Well, I'm being told they would be on the shorter side, so they're going to expand rosters. We're talking about crowding the season into a shorter period of time, so you're going to have more double headers. So, the rosters are going to be bigger, right? It could be as big as 35. Um, and so, it, you know, the depth is going to play a huge part. Depth in pitching is going to play a huge factor for teams. Why, like the Cardinals, they have a lot of depth, uh, you know, more depth than, than most. So, you know, I think that, you know, from the manager side, I think they'll still show the caution um, with their pitching. Um, but I think that, you know, that sixth, starter or seventh starter that organizations have a hard time pulling up and finding, you know, anyone who has that type of depth, I think will have a clear advantage. Yeah. Jim, you said though, that they're going to try and get this ramped up if, and when they start to play, like what's the plan there? Is it 20 days? Is it 21 days? Get the starters ready for three innings, run them out there. How quickly does major league baseball want to get this turned around? And what's a realistic expectation? Well, I, listen, I, I, we only we don't have anything to go on, right? But but the only the closest that we have is uh, going back to '95 when we had the delay of the season because of the strike. Uh, and they, they they didn't start the season on time. It ended up starting on April 26th, but they had players come in around the, the third or fourth of April. So they gave three weeks of and and to me, I feel like that's the right amount. But I've been told that they're even considering having two weeks of spring trainings, basically the amount that you would be quarantined. Build up your arm strength because the pitchers are most important, right, as we know. Um, and then however far you can go, um, start the season. And because of the uh, expanded roster, you might carry 15 to 18 uh, pitchers on your, on your team um, in a rotating, rotating roster. Um, I think that they're prepared to do that to get the season going. And, you know, that, that again, it's not the same brand of baseball we're used to. It's, it has the feel of more of a spring training game for me when you're playing, when you're pitching three innings at a time, uh, which is what you know you do. You know, maybe the the uh, the third start of the spring, your starters are going three innings. 
Um, that's the feel that it has if they decide to go that route. I, I would not be in favor of it, but I'm hearing otherwise. So you wouldn't be in favor of it. What would you be in favor of? Given a full three weeks. I, I think that, listen, the money that's parked in these starting pitchers as an mm-hmm. industry is so much. I mean, it, you know, it's, I don't, I don't, I used to know the percentage, you know, it's like somewhere in the 35% range of, of total payroll in your pitching staff. Um, like any of these guys that go down, you know, you're risking them pitchers when they have an injury to their arm, to the elbow, to the shoulder. It's long term, you know. It's 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 seasons, not not half a season. It's seasons, and sometimes they're not they're not even the same ever. So, like I would err on the side of being cautious on that side of giving them the right amount of time. I think what what they're what you're what you're, they're telling us, the major league teams are saying, well, if we're not going to give the caution there, we'll we'll give the caution during the se- uh, during the season and go shorter with them and. I don't know. I just don't. I just don't like that. I like the more traditional way. If the starter is able to give you, you know, 115 pitches and he gives you seven or eight innings and leave him in there. Jim, uh, before we cut you loose, I'm going to go out of left field here on you. Um, earlier, I tweeted out, which can be seen as a controversial tweet from a baseball guy, I guess, uh, that hockey is the only sport that I would rather watch in person than on TV. Um, where are you at with uh, sports in person versus watching on TV? Are there any that you prefer one way or the other? Uh, hockey is one for me, absolutely, and and I'd probably throw soccer into that mix as well. Ugh. I'm not a big <laughs> soccer yeah, guy what are you? Well, I, I would not want to watch it on TV. I watch it occasionally, and I'm falling asleep after the first 20 minutes. But I would, <laughs> I to be to be at a soccer game over in England and uh, be a yeah. part of the crowd and in the crowd, I think that's, a, that's an experience that I'd love to I'd love to eventually get to. I was gonna almost got to one. Three, uh, my my daughter was studying abroad in in London. We almost got the one. Um, uh, we ended up not working on our schedule, but uh, that that's one of those that I want to eventually get to when it's safe to do it. All right. So you being a former GM of the Mets, how would it? How would you approach your job? Because wouldn't it have to be differently if A-Rod and J-Lo ran things as opposed to the Wilpons? Not that Wilpon is a good owner. I think, and I'm not putting words in your mouth. This is Holden Kusher saying, I think he's one of the worst owners in Major League Baseball. But what in that circus in New York where everybody's fighting for the back page, how do you do your job under A-Rod and J-Lo? Like, does A-Rod really know how to run this? Does he hire people below him? This is a fascinating situation to me. I mean, I think I think uh, he's not any more qualified to run a team as Derek Jeter was when he took over the Marlins. But Derek learned on the job. He's put in the time. He's got the intelligence level. He certainly has the baseball background. He's going to hire good people, which he did in the Marlins. But he's also going to have a say in the baseball operations side. Uh, and I would think that Alex would too. Um, so I, I'd be very curious to see how that's going to. That, I mean, it's an awful lot of money, no no doubt. But I don't think Alex is going to have to come up with the money. He's got. Uh, a financial backer, it looks like, in uh, Jorge Mas, who is, uh, uh, an, uh, he was in the mix for the Marlins. Job. Probably should have gotten the Marlins uh, 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 team when he bid for it back there a couple of years ago. He didn't get it. So if he's, if he's uh, the guy who has all the money and, he, and Alex is part of helping raise money, uh, that's a pretty interesting combination. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how Alex would run it. But I think he better rely on his, his baseball people, which, which you know, most owners would tell you that's the right way to go. 
Hey, buddy, it was great catching up with you. Enjoy uh, sitting at home doing your thing. It's been too long. I'm going to have to just yep. uh, reach out to you another time. But thank you Definitely so much for hanging that. out with us today, I pal. We really appreciate you got it. it. Anytime. Good to catch up with you. All right, right on. That's Jim Duquette. He's with MLB Network Radio. He's with The Athletic. He's with everything. He was a uh, GM with the Mets. And uh, uh, Spader, it's always good catching up with him. And I knew that we were going to ask about the Red Sox thing, and I knew that you were going to go down that rabbit hole there and say, hey, uh, there's other teams that did it. And I just want to get your thoughts real quick because it sounded to me like Jim thought there was a big difference between what the Red Sox and the Astros were doing, and I really want to get your opinion on that. So I'm going to first give you all of the information that I have. Without okay. naming names, this is okay. what I was told. In 2017, one of the team was using cameras in center field. Uh, a certain player was watching these um, signs. Uh, they were sending videos uh, from that camera to center, and then they were building a book, which is what he um, what he uh, alluded to. So essentially, you're looking at game one and then creating a book for games two and three, but then using that series in future series. Um, there's one team uh, who actually I can say this one because I, I don't care. It's here. It, this was hearsay from the individual who told me. Uh, the Royals during their run were one of the first team to have the analytical analytics department right by the dugout. They had access to live feeds um, in terms of whether they were using it nefariously. This uh, what I was told was potentially, but it was all hearsay and nothing, you know, nothing ever came of that. There was the one individual who had a guy with a white towel or a wife beater uh, using these super high grade binoculars in dead center, which sounds absolutely ridiculous. Right. Mm-hmm. And apparently you would look through the binoculars. If pitch was off speed, they would wave it. Um, and if it was a fastball, there would just be no no towel. And I'm like, this is, sounds absolutely insane. But apparently this guy was con- uh, confronted. I spoke to um some of your big time MLB reporters who we see on TV and stuff every single day about this. And they said they heard about it, yet it never came to um, nothing ever came about from it. And then when I think about it, when you're banging on trash cans, waving a towel doesn't sound that ridiculous, does it? (laughs) Then you have um, teams, uh, a team had during the, 27 postseason, a team had a an employee, a team employee, wearing an MLB polo, which uh, he would have to wear a team uh, a team polo. I'm trying not to say the team without me- without messing up. Mm-hmm. And then um, this individual was trying to set up cameras, uh, and this individual was confronted. Um, there's another team. This was the one I found most fascinating because. You don't have to steal signs if you can steal the pitcher's grip. And apparently one team had a camera giving a live feed from the pitcher's glove, looking into the pitcher's glove from the left field bleachers, the right field bleachers, and dead center. And I'm thinking like, oh, this doesn't this sounds counterintuitive because if you're doing that, then you have like a split second less because – you have more time if you get a, if you're stealing the sign from the catcher, but you actually, if you think about it, it is even smarter because then you don't have to decode what the catcher's sign is, right? So if you mm-hmm. see the if you see the grip and you can somehow 
perhaps by electronic means, deliver that to the hitter, then that is the probably most efficient way to do so. And I thought that was the most fascinating of all and involves one of MLB's babies. You know, they're teams that probably would never um, go to uh, go to the man, if you will. And uh, there's a couple other ones, but it's going to be difficult to go through uh, with without saying the team names. I mean, this public information, Beltron said that, you know, his stuff, all the stuff he got came from the Yankees. Um, there, there's just all kinds of stuff that I've heard, and it's way too much. And I've heard these from so many different people that there's no way MLB doesn't have this information or have have something on this. And I, I stand by the fact that the reason these players aren't punished is because as soon as you start taking away a player's meal ticket, then you're going to have a lot more Mike Fires who are going to um, be willing to whistleblow, if you will. And it, it's just frustrating to me that Major League Baseball does this time and time again, and every single time fans accept it. Like we, we accepted this during the third era. Everybody blamed Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa for years. And now most people are like, yeah, you know what? They were products of their environment. Well, so were the Astros. And that will come out in all of this eventually. I, I firmly believe that. And I think that Manfred has put himself in a position no different than the position that Bud Selig put himself in. And it's frustrating to uh, for me as a baseball fan and a, I guess a quote unquote baseball purist to see this happen. Because what I am supposed to believe from all of this is that the Astros were stealing signs using electronic means, uh, stealing signs with video and live feed. And the most efficient way to deliver those signs was by banging on a fucking trash can. <laughs> and you mean to tell me nobody else figured out a better way to do it? Or All right, listen, listen, listen. You're going to go off on this, I'm sure next week and i want even more of this talk because now we have news and i thought it was fascinating that duquette said alex cora might get a job again because i got into a big fight with a couple beat writers about this and oh cora was never going to manage again i would not be surprised if he's back there but we have ran out of time for the day we have run out of time for the day i do want to pick this up when we drop our next show on monday but i also want to announce the winner to our mlb the show uh copy 2020 of the mlb the show and that's tim flattery not the player, it's Flat Turry, not Tim Flannery, from West Des Moines, Iowa, which is where I used to live. So I don't know if I know him or not, but congratulations, Tim. You are the winner. And I want to thank Jim Duquette as well. He was uh, absolutely awesome today. Hey, buddy, stay safe this week. Let's go do a show. I don't even know what day it is, so we'll tape it on Sunday. Yes, if, if we wait like three or four days and then we'll talk about this, and we'll talk about Cora, and I'm sure there's a million other things we could talk about too, okay? Yeah, we also have a pretty solid guest coming up. Ooh, do we? Who is it? Did you already yeah, tell me? And I, I forgot. Saying, yeah. He, oh, has two, so he has two first names. <laughs> okay, leave it at that. And if you can guess it, good for you. You don't win anything, but good luck. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Ryan's at the Ace of Spader, S-P-A-E-D-E-R. I'm at Holden Radio, and we'll catch you next week. 